This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. I am Nick Glimsdahl, and my guest this week is Kay Chapman. Kay is a the Learning and Development Manager at COM100 and a community organizer and facilitator for CX Accelerator. And also, she has consistently been a customer experience and thought leader uh, award winner uh, year over year. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kay. Thanks so much, Nick. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I ask everybody is, What's, what's maybe a nugget that people might not know about you? It, it could be um, anything. The last, uh, one, last guy I just interviewed uh, was, uh, he loved classical music. You, I always um, use the, the, um, the Shep Hyken one where he plays adult hockey. So there's all sorts of really neat ones. Um, but what, what's your thing that people might not know about you? Oh, good question. Um, so I, I guess I'm quite a homely type, really. I, I love pottering around in the garden and I collect houseplants and I do lots of sewing and things. Um, I love cooking, quite a good cook, it's got to be said. Don't want to blow my own trumpet, but yeah, I know my way around the kitchen. So you're kind of a big deal when it comes to cooking, uh, <laughs> is, is what I just heard at the very end. You got most excited about that. So what's if you could make one meal and it was your very last meal and you're no longer to cook anymore, what would it be? Well, okay. So in my opinion, okay. So one thing I really love cooking is Taiwanese style, crispy fish with just simple steamed rice, cucumber salad, like perfect, beautiful meal with heaps of flavor. Um, I haven't cooked it for somebody from Taiwan yet. So I would love to, to get their opinion, but I've eaten a lot of Taiwanese and I think it's up there. So yeah, that would be my, my choice. Nice. So hopefully maybe there's, there's somebody that lives near you who's listening to this that's from Taiwan and they, they reach out to you and say, Hey, let's, let's connect when we can and, and, uh, uh, make the meal. Absolutely. I would love to hear from them if so. <laughs> Uh, very cool. So one of the main thing I wanted to talk about today, and obviously uh, we'll get into it, but uh, is around knowledge base. Um, so before we get started, what is a knowledge base? Okay, so in simple terms, I guess your knowledge base is company knowledge that exists in your employees' heads, uh, but made external. So knowledge bases then, they can contain anything from information and facts, maybe processes, maybe rules or regulations in some industries, um, troubleshooting tips or FAQs. So basically anything that either helps customers to better understand the products and services that they buy from you, or that helps your own employees understand those products and services. Yeah. It's a, it's a very well put uh, description. So what is your expertise in, in knowledge bases? I, I've been working in the contact center field for a while and KBs are something that are really close to my heart because actually in my very, very first contact center role as an agent when I was about 18, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that really got me into management was building a KB for our team. 
So, and, and back then, basically, I saw that our team were giving inconsistent information and, you know, we were all suffering from it because customers would then call back in and give us an earful and that wasn't nice. So, you know, and this was way before proper KB software was a thing. So I used the website building skills that I'd learned from building my cringy teenage poetry websites to build a KB. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was uh, quite a simple KB with a simple navigation, um, but really it did help the team. It helped us to get more consistent and we were getting less of those angry customers, which was great. So I suppose from the start, I have always been an advocate for KBs as, you know, I do really know firsthand that they give your team a, a single effective source of truth. And so later on, you know, I moved from management to specialize in quality assurance and learning and development. And to this day, I do feel really strongly that KBs are the backbone of effective processes in each of those areas. Um, and now, you know, I, I'm a bit older than 18 now, I work for a company called Com100, where we provide omnichannel digital communication software to organizations. And one of the strands of that is knowledge-based software. So even, even today, I do quite a lot of work with our clients, helping them to build out KBs and integrate them with other channels like live chat, chatbots, and um, other digital communications channels like email and social media. So uh, yeah, all in all, I guess now I'm really passionate about building these kind of contact ecosystems that allow customers to get the answers that they need um, just in ways that, that suit them and that suit the, the businesses that, that have those channels. So um, yeah, that's, that's why I'm really happy to chat about KBs today. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're more than qualified and um, I've had a little bit of experience uh, working with you, uh, some of the projects that we've done with CX Accelerator and um, you're just beyond organized and, and detail and thought oriented. So um, not necessarily a, a KB, but um, I can only imagine uh, what the effort uh, that you've done inside of, of KBs and the rest of the organization. So I have no doubt that you have the expertise. Thank you. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, KBs, um, what are they used for? Like, you, you know, at, at a high level, we talk about what they are. We know your expertise is, but how do you go about using a KB? And, and is it per department? Is it an overall organization? Or what does that look like? Yeah. Well, um, so I think in the first question, I mentioned the KBs, you can, you can use them to help customers understand products and services or employees. Um, so, you know, in, in that sense, there's a couple of different ways that KBs can be used. You can have them customer facing or employee facing or both. Um, and different types of KBs, they can definitely accomplish different goals for organizations or have different benefits. So, and, and you can tie them into other business goals. Like, you know, if you're looking to maybe decrease phone or chat contact volumes through encouraging customers to self-serve, then customer facing KBs are a great way to do that. And so often, uh, often I, I work with organizations who are more mature, who've done that already. You know, they've done things like tamed their volumes down using self-serve and they want to start tackling quality. And 
in my opinion, you know, that's where internal KBs fit in, helping agents to access that single source of truth that makes sure the entire teams or departments, like you say, because you can have different KBs to different departments, those teams or departments can be clearer and more consistent in the information that they give to customers and that they give to each other, um, the, the internal customers within their organization. Mm. And so is a knowledge base a necessary foundation for a good contact center learning and, and working environment for their agents? Hmm. So uh, from a learning perspective, so, so when you're helping a new employee or a new term team learn something new, obviously you do need to know the right thing to tell them in the first place. You know, when, when you look at what makes for good learning and development practice, there, there is a lot of evidence that you, delivering the right thing first up is good, but then blending your delivery of learning is a really good way to make sure that you're able to be understood. So, and blended learning, what, what that means is using a variety of different resources to communicate information. So for me, when, when I'm training up a team or an individual in a team, I often try to do things like train out new information or concepts through discussing them, and then maybe back that up with images or videos or written content to accommodate sort of different types of learners. Um, you, you might've heard of learning style theory, and, and while that is too simplistic a way of looking at how people learn, it is still definitely true in a broad sense that different people learn in different ways. So offering a range of resources to them to help them learn and really retain that information it is always a good bet. And for a lot of people, a KB, it can be an effective learning tool, uh, especially if you are the sort of person who learns well through uh, reading or images, you know, being able to go somewhere that captures that information is great. And then if you want, you know, you can, you can really incorporate those blended learning principles even further by incorporating videos and diagrams and adding discussion boards, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things you can do there. And I think um, what can then really supercharge the learning capabilities of your KB is if you then let your team sort of collaborate on maintaining it. So, you, you know, if you look at how people learned going back hundreds or thousands of years, primarily it was from one person showing another person how to do something. Mm -hmm. Learning is a social process. So if you can get both the experts on your team and the newbies on your team working together, keep your KB up to date, then it's than if it's something nobody else then touches it. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's why I think a knowledge base can be really good for learning in the contact center. Yeah, and you mentioned um, KBs, how it's different from department to department. Um, should there be a knowledge base for internal and external? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that there should. So, and, and for different reasons, like um, I, I am really an advocate of giving customers the opportunity to self-serve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when customers look to self-serve to answer a question or get a job done, um, we do know that sometimes there will be certain types of answers that they need that they won't be able to get through a KB or through self-serve, you know. So KBs can be great for some self-serve instances, but for the examples where like a customer really needs a person to maybe do something like deliver empathy or 
get to an outcome for them that requires complex decision making or maybe questions where the outcome is unclear and it requires a judgment call. Um, in those instances, customer facing KBs will never be able to capture absolutely everything needed um, to be able to serve that customer. And that is where those internal KBs fit in, because internal KBs are about giving your employees the ability to do all those things, to be able to make those complex decisions, those judgment calls, deliver empathy, um, do that decision making that only a human can do. And I think what, what we often see for companies who don't have internal KBs is there might not be a single source of truth that actually captures what employees need to know to make those judgment calls and reach those decisions. So what you see then often within contact centers is you have maybe a few people on your team who are like the oracles who know everything that there is to know. And, you know, younger employees, they'll be those guys who are going on VAP uh, to ask those experts a ton of questions. But even then, what you see is expert knowledge, it isn't always reliable. People can become outdated and there's no guarantee that even those experts are going to be able to communicate in the right way so that that information is perfectly understood by the newer employees. So you end up with this situation where even, even if you have these expert staff who know everything, sometimes the information they give is inconsistent or incorrect. Um, employees suffer, customers suffer and leave you. And then it's really difficult to pick up on when that's happening unless you have those robust quality control processes. So I am definitely an advocate of internal and external KBs. So you can sort of avoid that situation. Yeah, it sounds like it would be very frustrating um, if there isn't a KB that people from different perspectives, or it doesn't matter if it was somebody who has 30 years experience is a, has a ton of experience and sometimes maybe they don't know everything. And so then it just becomes best effort. Um, but uh, if you have different people from different perspectives, maybe they have a fresher perspective um, to update that KB. So uh, the question that I have is how often should, should um, those people, uh, from all different expertise um, be able, or is it a constant upgrade um, on the KB or is it um, scheduled every quarter, every week, every year? What, what does that look like? Yeah, and so I, I do definitely think it, it needs to be an ongoing process and the exact kind of schedule and cadence for that is going to vary from one business to another. Uh, there's going to be sort of definite, clear, good points to do that, like when, when there's an update or a change to a product and service. Um, but, but what you tend to see, so I, I'm, I'm quite an advocate of KCS, that's Knowledge Centered Service. Um, and under KCS, you know, it's, I, I don't think they, they advocate a particular schedule because ultimately, you know, if, if you do want quality within your contact center, um, that, that's something that doesn't necessarily fit into a fixed schedule. Um, and, and KCS, so, so just to sum this up for people who might not have heard of it. So KCS really treats knowledge as a team asset and it puts the onus on teams themselves to own and maintain that information. 
-hmm. So uh, for really kind of um, effective knowledge bases and, and what actually I do at Com 100 is you, you make it very easy for agents within the systems they use every day to at the very least uh, just be able to suggest things which should be added to the knowledge base. So like what, one of the best ways that I'm doing this with clients right now is by building a cool little button, um, like basically within their agent's chat console to be able to add suggestions to the KB just within a click. So like a customer question comes in, they can just click and send that off to be reviewed. Um, we always recommend that the review team contains people from, from that kind of range of backgrounds and that's a very inclusive exercise. So basically you've got agents being able to fire off that suggestion and they can then review all those suggestions as a team um, so that you can really involve those people in maintaining knowledge as an active process. Um, and I guess, so, so that ease is something I think is really important, you know, you making it easy for agents to actually sort of send suggestions and be part of the process means that you can keep your knowledge base better updated because, you know, traditionally agent time is really limited in the contact center, but if you can build um, the, the maintenance of knowledge into the flow of the work that they're completing, then it does become a lot easier to do that on the fly as changes happen. Mm. Yeah, and, and with with changing expectations, obviously, from employee to customer, um, and every expectation uh, constantly is evolving, it feels like. Um, and now companies are now moving to automation. So uh, their customers uh, can have the option to self-service, which is good. And we talked about that earlier. But how is automation used with KBs? Mm. I am, I'm really glad that you asked this question and yeah, if you don't mind, maybe I'd like to detour a little bit into why I think offering self-service so important right now and then we can talk about automation. So um, just a few weeks ago, so I was on Twitter and um, uh, Nick, you will know uh, Jeremy Watkin, who is um, my fellow CX Accelerator community organizer and my friend, he, he does this awesome CX question of the day on there. And that day he asked the question, are any customer service channels a must for companies to offer? And as you'd expect, a few people chimed in saying that voice was number one, absolute must. And then somebody else added to the discussion. Um, what they said I thought was really interesting. And they said, the need to talk to a human for getting issues resolved is becoming a cognitive overload in an emerging post-COVID world. Mm. And that really kind of struck me because I, I think it's so important for us to recognize that the world we're living in now, you know, we're all tangling with some quite complex and difficult big life changes. Um, you know, we're, we're having to handle new challenges like keeping our homebound kids occupied and worrying about the health of our loved ones and elderly relatives. And it's a lot. So you know, for a company then asking customers to take a lot of time out of their day to interface with a human for simple tasks, it can really add to that overload. Um, and, and I think in CX, you know, we, we can really romanticize human led service because quite often we ourselves were really moved by those times that we went way above and beyond and changed customers lives for the better by, through what we did for them. But I think we do need to remember that the vast majority of contacts to our business aren't really wanted by customers. You know, customers don't contact us for fun. They do it because they have a problem that needs to be solved and they kind of wish that that problem never happened. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those customers will often sort of rather save time and effort by solving things themselves than talking to a human. 
So when we think about self-serve and automation, usually KBs are a string of that. Now, um, I, I mentioned earlier that, that it is important to um, integrate different channels into this sort of overall contact management ecosystem. And so, so you can do things like pair KBs with chatbots because the advantage of chatbots over KBs is they do provide that conversational real-time help and they can perform transactions and provide account-specific information in the way that the KB often can't. So you can sort of, you can get different types of customers using chatbots and KBs. So the two are quite complementary. Now, um, if you have a robust KB, it makes building a genuinely useful chatbot, allowing you to automate, it makes building that chatbot about 10 times easier because it really gives you a starting point and you can strengthen your whole self-serve ecosystem by building those agent suggestions into both the KB and the chatbot. And um, I, I guess, so just one final point about automation. I, I know that automation can get a bad rap in CX. And I think a lot of that is because sometimes a company will make it really difficult for you to get human service if you get stuck on an automated channel. Um, so I definitely think that when you are considering KBs as part of a new automation ecosystem, that you apply really the same golden rule as you should with your chatbot. You need to think of them as gateways, not barriers. So you want to be able to ensure that if your customer picks a method of getting in touch with you, but they can't get what they need through that method, that you make it really easy for them to get through to a human team. It really should be about giving the customer choices and flexibility. And when you use a KB as a gateway to human-led service, it can be just a fantastic way to do that. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. It's well said. I mean, um, everybody wants their problem solved um, on the channel of that choice. And when somebody needs to go to that additional choice, uh, their satisfactory uh, level goes down because they're, they're not 100% satisfied of, of going to that next channel and um, you know, being able to data dip into a solid, reliable knowledge base is... Um, um, makes it so much easier on the on the employee and the whole goal is to solve that customer's problem. So I love that. Um, so if you were to look in from the eyes of uh, my listeners and, and somebody saying, how do I go about getting started? Like, oh, this is all great, Kay, that you, you already are this expertise, um, um, you know, houseplant cooking champion, but uh, how do I go about getting started um, building a knowledge base? Um, so I, I would definitely say as a starting point, you know, reading up on KCS, knowledge centered service, that's going to be a really good thing for you to do if you haven't already. And that will introduce you to some really good founding principles 
um, that will help to ground you and help you build out a strategy as you start making knowledge a priority. Um, I would think about your goals. So whether you want your KB to help with volume or quality or something else and sort of keep those goals front and center as you're building out your strategy. And I would definitely say as well, talk to your team, talk to your team about all of that because they're the people who are going to be using it and getting people to adopt whole new processes can be a real struggle if they're not bought in. So, you know, keep them included in, in that decision-making, really be able to make them champions of the whole project because they're going to be using it. So I'd say that would be my, my number one recommendation. Yeah. It's a great recommendation. Um, how important is it to make your KB accessible? Um, so yeah, we're in the 21st century now. It is vitally important. Um, when, when, okay, so let's maybe break down accessibility because mm -hmm. when, when I think about accessibility on KBs, I think about two different things. So first up, it's about um, at the base level, just making sure that information is easy to find for all types of customers. So you wanna be doing things like categorize information, make sure that you're selecting appropriate keywords and search terms with the user in mind, uh, make sure that you're using white space so that text is easy to read and making sure that text and images and video are combined because that's gonna help your customers and employees learn more easily. Um, and yeah, also making sure that your customers can see how to get in touch with agents if they do reach a dead end. That's, that's something that's key to accessibility as well. So, but, but I guess, so the, the other angle, um, and, and the angle that is maybe commonly thought of when we talk about accessibility and customer experience is, um, accounting for customers with disabilities. Because, you know, we, we should really be considering the perspectives of those customers whenever we design a resource or a process that affects them. Um, it, it is fairly straightforward to get on Google and look up a list of best practices to help those individuals with disabilities. Like um, you can do things like use accessibility checkers, which look at your code for your KB and maybe suggest changes in colors or formatting. Um, making sure that you do things like adding captions to videos. So Google is a really great resource for helping you um, basically help those customers better. And yeah, I, I guess that this is another reason why team ownership of a KB is such a good strategy, because if you can get a diverse group of people owning it, then they are going to be more likely to suggest ways you can create something that better serves your, your wide base of customers as well. Yeah. Um... So we talked about getting started um, building a KB. What are some tools and tricks that you would recommend um, uh, when it comes to knowledge bases? Um, I think I've talked about a few, quite a lot of stuff already, but maybe, um, uh, I think maybe the only thing that we haven't really talked about already is the, the idea of um, maybe thinking about your query types in terms of whether they're actually sort of prime candidates of being on a KB or not, and then building your contact system in a very deliberate way to send customers down appropriate paths. So, and, and we apply this principle a lot in chatbot building as well. So whether you're building a chatbot or a KB, we know that there are some query types that won't be well served by those channels. 
Um, and we talked about that a little bit earlier, you know, maybe um, queries that require relationship building, um, you know, making sales, decision making, expressing empathy, anything of a sensitive nature. Um, th those are customer needs that will never really be served too well by automation. Um, and you can totally account for those within your KB because, you know, your customer isn't necessarily going to know that they need to speak to a human for those things. You just need to make sure that you're very clearly pointing to a human, um, ideally one who's right there in chat, ready to help them. Um, the, the, the flip side is that there will be some queries that your agents are taking that they totally hate because they're so simple and transactional. Like, you know, and I used to be an agent myself. So I know for those queries where I was giving out the same piece of information five or 10 times a day to the same customers, you know, that's usually one that a lot of agents find annoying because they have to act like it's the first time they've heard that query when often they're completely sick of it. So if you can examine your customer journey and your agent journey and figure out where you can insert those prompts to send people down the right paths to your KB, then, you know, that's going to help you reduce volume and help customers get answers faster. And hopefully it'll make your agents happier too. Um, and I would say this kind of whole journey perspective, looking at the whole journey, it's, it's something that is recommended a lot in CX, but it's, it is something that's really appropriate for implementing a new system like a KB2. Uh, because otherwise, sometimes there's a tendency to focus on the system as a single entity, rather than looking at how other systems and processes impact it. Um, so really bring that together and look at it from, from a whole journey CX perspective. Yeah. And when it comes to, um, you know, using maybe a KB as a training tool, is it important to maybe start at the very beginning when you get new employees and you're kind of onboarding new representatives in the call center uh, and kind of using KB as a, as a knowledge resource on the onboarding process? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, a KB is, is a good training tool for new employees. It certainly shouldn't be the only training tool. Um, I, I have seen some organizations, you know, get a bit too gung-ho about KBs and then maybe they might um, spend a whole day of training sitting an employee down in front of a KB and saying, read it all. <laughs> and, you know, that's not going to be the best way for, for them to learn. Um, you you want to remember that being a new employee is really overwhelming in a lot of ways that you're trying to remember so much new stuff. And, you know, there, there are things that even in a KB, there might be things that seem obvious to seasoned staff that might be kind of confusing for your new staff. So I would say, you know, definitely give your new staff exposure to your KB, but I would always recommend that they do that with the support of a person or two who can help them find their feet. And then you're not just making them read it for hours because that's not a great way to learn. That is not a great employee experience. It's just dropping the, the knowledge base down and saying, First day, here's here's uh, here's your lunch and finish this KB by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, like read this and then you'll know everything. <laughs> and retain it all, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, you know, the one question that kind of came to me throughout all of this um, is, what do you wish you knew um, at the very beginning um, when, when, you're, when you're starting out uh, looking at building knowledge base uh, knowledge bases. What what do you wish you knew prior that you could have you could tell yourself now? What do I wish I knew? 
Um, I, I think it would just be this point around involving the whole team because when when I started off, you know, it was my passion project. I was building it. Only I had access to the code. Um, and I very much learned that the hard way, how difficult it is to keep this thing updated when mm. knowledge is sitting with one person. So definitely for me, that, that point of making it um, a, a project, making it something that your team does as part of their day-to-day, -day, um, if you can socialize that from the start, then you're going to be onto a winner. Yeah, it's great, great advice. So I, I wrap up every podcast with two questions. Uh, for all my guests and the first question is is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year and then the second one is, is if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals what would it say all right so two questions okay so what book or person um can i say a group of people <laughs> sure yeah it's all it's um, all to you how about <laughs> what book or persons has influenced yeah. you most in my Definitely a group of people. Um, I've got a shout out to my fellow CX Accelerator community organizers. So Becky Roman, Erica Marois, uh, Jeremy Watkin and Jenny Dempsey, um, as well as somebody who I really constantly look up to, um, the co-founder of CX Accelerator, Nate Brown. Um, I am about two years now into organizing the community and I'm just really thankful for our little team as well as our community as a whole for just being really inspirational to me. Um, I find that you know, when we're talking about active and ongoing learning, the, the discussions and perspectives that are shared there, they, they have totally changed and evolved my views on CX, learning, automation, channel strategy, um, and a heap of other things as well. Um, and I'm just madly grateful to be living at a time where I can drop into this community to learn from just astonishingly clever and incredibly experienced customer service and CX professionals from all over the world. Uh, and I had the good luck to meet you there too, isn't it, as well, Nick? So um, yeah, I can definitely, definitely say shout out to the CX Accelerator team for that one. Yeah, and, and just to touch on that too, um, and I'm sure we had Nate Brown on uh, at a previous uh, episode. So if you didn't hear that one, go back and listen. And, um, but at a very high level, I mean, CX Accelerator is, a, is an amazing resource uh, for anybody in customer experience, customer service that wants to learn, grow, or provide feedback for people uh, to, that are not at the level that you're at. And, um, you know, at, at, it is a, an abundant of people. It's not like it's, it's five or six people that are coming around and, and hanging out with each other and singing kumbaya about customer service, customer experience. It is uh, legitimately uh, pulling up right now um, a, a whole lot of people inside of that. It's like 1,915 people today on the Slack channel, uh, which is amazing. Um, so uh, reach out to uh, Kay, reach out to myself, uh, or go to uh, cxaccelerator.com, and I, I highly recommend that. Awesome. Um, so maybe, maybe let me answer your second question. What, what was that one, Nick? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no worries. It was, if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals and it would reach everybody on everybody's desk, uh, wherever they're at in the world, what would it say? Oh, wow. Okay. If it was going to reach everybody's desk in the whole world, I would say, I appreciate you. <laughs> it would have to be a short note. Um, my longer note, I guess would be, I, I do know that these past few months have been really challenging, but I am so proud of customer service as an industry. I'm proud of everyone working within it. Um, me personally, I have been working with a ton of different companies 
Um, and of course, I've been a customer myself during this time. And just everywhere, I have seen customer service pros fighting really hard to do the right things for the people that they serve. Um, and that is just so wonderful. Uh, and I think something that's new about this time is especially if you're somebody who provides face-to-face -face customer service or who is required to be physically present in an office, you are risking yourself in ways that you've never had to before. And even if you are able to work from home, you know, I think a lot of us have seen volumes increase and the makeup of our queries change in unexpected ways. And we've had to adapt to that to make sure that ultimately the people that we serve aren't left alone and without answers at a time that's really difficult, you know, mentally and emotionally, as well as practically speaking. Um, and, and all the while we ourselves are facing those mental, emotional, physical and practical impacts just as much as our customers are. And I guess I really hope that the world changes soon to recognize that customer service is an essential industry and that you are essential workers who should be paid more and given more appreciation and recognition, regardless of whether there's a pandemic going on or not. So, um, yeah, I guess that's for me on my little soapbox. And I can just say that in the ways that I'm able, I'm going to keep being vocal about that and do what I can in terms of throwing my support behind organizations and governments who believe in that too. You know, I, I'm, for, for me, I'm just a little person in the corner of the world and my opinion might not count for too much, but I really hope if you're listening to this and feeling like this pandemic has been tough on you, that hearing this helps you feel more seen because I see you, so many people see you and I appreciate you, so many people appreciate you. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. That was a great longer version. Um, the, the one thing that um, I'm going to recommend um, is everybody listen in customer service, listen to this specific episode and then share it with leadership because it sounds like Kay wants you to get a raise. Uh, <laughs> they will listen and learn about knowledge bases and then say, oh, by the way, it may or may not, may not, may or may not mention that um, I am an essential worker and I should get paid more. Yep, 100%, absolutely. If it helps you fight that, that fight, and it's a tough fight. No, I absolutely, truly believe that it's, it's time now for customer service to get more recognition. You know, coming from a contact center background, it can often feel like you are the bottom of the pile in organizations, that you're a bit of an afterthought in terms of resources and, and in terms of planning. And, you know, it just patently should not be that way anymore. So I'm, I'm a very big advocate for that. Nice. Um, what is the best way for people to reach out to you and connect? Oh, so um, I, I really welcome any connections on LinkedIn or anything like that. You know, I, I love I love having a big pool of people to, to learn from. Um, just I'm just clicking through to my LinkedIn profile now. I'm linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash K Chapman, K-A-Y-E, and then my surname Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-M. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet as much as I used to, but I am kind of on and, and looking at things. So, um, and my handle there is KJ Chapman, J from my middle name, Jane. Um, yeah, so I guess those are the, are the two best ways. If, if you want to reach out to me, um, if, if I can help you with anything, then please, please do. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear from you if you've listened to this episode and found this interesting. So please do get in touch. Or, or want that cooking uh, recipe of the, the Taiwanese and, and her expertise in that. I, I highly recommend you follow her and, and ask her all about her amazing houseplants and cooking. 
<laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, Nick, because it's a little bit of a secret recipe, but I might make an exception for some special folks. There you go. There you go. We'll give it away <laughs> to one special guest, maybe. Uh, and only not her secret sauce, just the high level recipe. But, uh, Katie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's great to um, um, have you on uh, as, a, as a guest on this episode. And I've learned so much about knowledge bases and hopefully everybody else has as well. So I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for asking me to be on the show, Nick. I've been listening to some episodes. They've been fantastic so far. So I'm really happy to contribute. And um, as ever, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. So thanks for everything. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them the link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.